This is the State of Inclusion podcast, where we explore topics at the intersection of equity, inclusion, and community. In each episode, we meet people who are changing their communities for the better, and we discover actions that each of us can take to improve our own communities. I'm Amy Sanders. Welcome. Today, we want to talk about art, what it means to be inclusive in art, and how, through our art, we can help make our communities more inclusive. I'm happy today to talk with Suzanne Thomas. She is the president of the board of directors of Inclusion in Art, a nonprofit located in Oklahoma. So welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. So I want you to tell us a little bit about what inclusion in art means for you and for your organization. For me, what inclusion means, especially in art, is opportunities or support for artists of color in the state of Oklahoma. We are located in Oklahoma City, but we would like to be statewide. And when we mean by inclusiveness is that there are spaces available to those artists of color. Also, the other part of that is, and I think this is pretty important, that also inclusive means all sorts of art, all sorts of genres, all sorts of subject matter. So when we think about, you know, art, say, of African-Americans or Native Americans, there's a, especially, oh, well, they do this type of art. And the fact is, if you are an artist of color and you love landscapes, I think you should be allowed to be a landscape artist. That doesn't necessarily have to be work that speaks to your identity, per se, racially or gender-wise or orientation-wise or any of that, but that if you like painting landscapes, I think that needs to be allowed and that needs to be celebrated as well. So inclusive means that you're allowed to be an artist. You're allowed to be an artist of color. You don't need permission, how about that, to be any type of artist that you want to be. So it's allowing all sorts of artists of color to show and exhibit work but also those artists of color being also allowed to show and exhibit work that may not speak to identity, racial and cultural identity. You told me that you're a native Oklahoman. How do you feel the work of inclusion in art is making Oklahoma more inclusive? Again, it comes back to creating opportunities for artists of color. Oklahoma, I don't know if people know this. I know Oklahoma was in the news this summer, of course, because of the Tulsa race massacre and the 100th commemoration or remembrance of it. And so we, uh, of course, wanted to be a part of that, even though we're based in Oklahoma City. I'm hoping that out of that, we also learned that, you know, Oklahoma, at least at one time, had the largest number of Black townships in the Union. And so there's a rich history there. A lot of people thought maybe Oklahoma could be a Black and Indian state. But I think how we're trying to be more inclusive is we want to have a statewide reach. And when we say inclusive, I know I've been talking mostly in matters of African-American art and all that, but we mean inclusive as in inclusive. So that means every person of color. We want people to know that we're there the young uh, Latino, Hispanic artists, Asian artists, Native artists, Middle Eastern artists, any of those artists that we don't miss, that may be marginalized and not part of the general or the mainstream art world. We have a rich Native American history, a rich Hispanic history. We're right above Texas, for heaven's sakes, which used to be Mexico. We have these, we do have these diverse groups of people. That's what we mean by inclusive. If I may speak it out loud, speak it into existence. I like to see us do things in what we call Lawton, Enid, go out to the panhandle toward Guymon. I mean, go further east and just throughout to bring 
that type of inclusiveness. People are everywhere. Every type of people are everywhere. One of the things that you and I talked earlier, and you told me that, you know, you reminded me that you were a small organization, as you Mm -hmm. just said, and that in order to make a bigger impact, partnerships were important for you. And sometimes you wonder, can I really make a difference Mm -hmm. if my organization is small? So talk a little bit about how you guys partner and how you use those partnerships to extend the impact and the reach of your organization or to help make other organizations more inclusive. Well, I mean, we've been around for, I would say, eight to 10 years. What we do is that, A, we, we do make connections with other organizations. I mean, we're a small organization, small budget, small group of people. We do not have executive director. It's a working board. Just means that we do the work ourselves. Through our contacts as individual board members, of course, we are always looking for an opportunity. And I think I'm always looking for an opportunity. If someone says something, then you know, whether it's at my job or I'm at another event, I'm like, hey, let me tell you about inclusion and what we're about. And sounds like something you need to talk to us about. Tell me what you have. And so that's how we kind of get out there. I feel is that we just look for opportunities. As like I said, we we have a pretty diverse board as far as not just, of course, identity, racially and culturally, but also what we do for our, shall we say, for our day job. Not all of us are artists. A lot of us are artists plus whatever else. We have those plugins. And I think that's important. Part of being an artist and part of trying to be supportive of artists is finding a space to put your work somewhere. That's easier said than done. When we had that space, that made it easy, but we lost it. So we were kind of in transition with our board and younger people came on the board and basically kind of said, do we really need a dedicated space? Why don't we partner with other organizations? And that literally is what happened. We, we would go to these venues. They were interested in, shall we say, diversifying and being more inclusive themselves. You know, we're acting like this conversation about inclusiveness and diversity is like a new conversation that just happened in the last few years. But the fact is, we've been talking about this for a while. Inclusion in art has been around in and of itself, at least, I hate to say it, 20 years, but probably about 20 years as just a collective to a now a nonprofit. I think we're now seeing the impact of all those years of working and working and working and, you know, preaching to everyone else who knew that this day was coming. And what I mean by this day is that this conversation was going to have an urgency to it that now I think a lot of organizations are understanding. So we felt we can partner with these other organizations. And some of them were, uh, like I said, up and coming newer, you know, new spaces. I mean, these were gallery spaces. They were new spaces. They were, you know, wanting to get some artists and quality artists. We felt we were a good conduit for that, that we were a good organization because the people who were in our organization on the board were artists, were working artists, were doing work and have shown work uh, various levels. Some of us were, you know, like I consider myself a mid-career artist. Some of us were emerging artists. Each one came with some sort of background, have gotten some inroad into the art world. And we just knew people. And so partnering with other organizations who might not have had that, how can I put it, who didn't have those uh, contacts, that worked really well for us. And I, I have to tell you, it, I love it. It really is 
you kind of get out of your own way. You know, you're talking to other people. It's a good way to, like I said, we we bring our expertise, we bring our knowledge, we bring the artist, they bring the space, they bring their expertise, they bring their marketing, we bring our marketing. It really does work very well. We all know each other and we're all wanting the same thing. So yeah, I, I think uh, partnering, this idea, I think a lot of times what happens when people are trying to start organizations or collective, in fact, we partnered, Inclusion in Art and par- partnered like back in March uh, to do a panel discussion about inclusion, diversifying, and with another organization, very statewide organization that's been a big support for us uh, called OVAC. And that stands for Oklahoma Visual Arts Coalition. We've always had good, good rapport with them, always worked with them, and they're just really a very cool organization. I, I, and they do so much for our state. And they're so supportive of the artists. Anyway, but they were like, what can we do? And I suggested that we talk about a panel talking about putting, you know, how to diversify the board, how to, what's a committee, that non-sexy stuff that artists don't want to talk about, which is the administrative side of being art organizations. Who's your board of directors? The difference between a nonprofit, a collective, a club, all those things. Because a lot of them, I think a lot of uh, artists kind of get, especially young, especially self-taught, kind of get into this, you know, I just need a wall and throw my work up. And that's one of my things. I, I really want artists, you know, all artists, but particularly our artists of color to understand it's more than that. Not just, I want to hang my work and people are going to pay thousands of dollars for it. No, that's not how this works. There's a process and that and understanding what that is. So when you partner with other organizations, what it is, is that hopefully what you're doing is you're sitting back and you're kind of observing and learning what they did, especially if they've been around for a minute longer than yours. We kind of sit back and you want to learn from them and see what they're doing. What are their things? If what they're doing works for you, you know, don't partner with anybody you kind of have issues with. Don't do that. Uh, This is supposed to be pleasant. Like I said, we're all working people outside of inclusion in art. So and everybody's time and everybody, listen, everybody's short on time. Everybody is short on resources. Whoever you partner with, make sure that everybody is of the same enthusiasm. You may not be at the same level, but you got to be at the same enthusiasm. You know, you got to come together and make some decisions and make sure this is what you both want. You can't be like, oh, they just want us because they need to fill a quota. I'm not a fan of quotas, but they need to fill a quota. Okay. However, now that you're there, you let them know, I can do more than just this little box that you've checked. And I said, and, and that has worked for us. We have, we, I think we've done really well. We've survived so far. So. <laughs> so in your comments that you just made, there were several things that I want to kind of revisit okay. and bring out. So one, partnering was important for you guys as a small organization mm-hmm. to extend your impact and your reach. Mm-hmm. And also as even though you're a maturing organization, as a younger organization to learn from organizations that have more experience, Mm -hmm. have a bigger breadth of experience, Mm -hmm. perhaps, but maybe also a longer experience than Mm -hmm. you have. But you reminded us that it's important to choose someone who shares your goals, 
Right. And your enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the work that you're doing. Yes. Maybe you're not at the same level of capability right. or the level of funding, or there may be a lot of differences in how you approach your work, mm-hmm. but you want to be sure that you share your enthusiasm, share your goals. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I, I think I heard you say, but I know this from partnering myself, is mm-hmm. that it's important that each of you benefit from the partnership. Right. So you need to get something from the partnership mm-hmm. and the people that you're partnering with need to get something as well. Right. Otherwise, it's not really a partnership. You know. So you want to find that shared benefit for mm-hmm. both of you. Yeah, exactly. You want to make sure, you, like I said, you, you don't want to be the quota filler. But on the other hand, you get there and then you basically let them know, I am this fully, I'm not a monolith. But if they're reaching out to you and they have, then you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that everybody understands this is what we're all trying to do. I mean, what is the goal? What is what is the goal of this partnership? I mean, really, what is it? I mean, when we partnered with this one, it was a gallery. It was a small, it was called Art, it's, it still is, by the way, called Art Hall in Oklahoma City. We reached out to them. They said, oh, yeah, this would be great. They had the space. We had artists who were interested in showing their work. And so it's as simple as that. They would get more people to go through their space. It was attached to some retail uh, stores. Art Hall is. It's attached to different retail and restaurants. So, of course, you know, if you get an opening, you got people coming down. They're going to also see what else is available. And that artist knows that their work is going to get stared at because it's a retail space. So it is as simple as that. It doesn't have to be this hard, hard thing. I mean, the devil's in the detail. You want to make sure the work is safe. You want to make sure the work will be, you know, whatever. You know, every, you know, we understand the fee system, the commission system and all that. But in the end, what the art hall got and what inclusion got was the same thing. They wanted an audience. They wanted, well, they wanted an audience. They wanted an audience. They wanted the people. They wanted traffic. To be honest, that's our goal as an organization. We want to we want to create opportunities. We want to support opportunities for artists, particularly artists of color, to have their work shown, possibly sold. You know, we don't take a commission at this moment. So that's a good point. So I think um, one of the things that I know you feel passionately about, and it links to what we're just talking about, is this notion of developing artists mm-hmm. and how emerging artists and people of color who may be entering the world of professional art, Mm -hmm. your organization helps to develop those artists, either through mentoring, through different kinds of programs. Let's talk about that a minute, because that's so important. Because if you can't find someone who you know, or you relate to this, this question of social capital Mm -hmm. and connection to people Mm -hmm. who can help you be more successful, Mm -hmm. then it limits what your potential is. And so finding those connections can be really important for anyone, Mm -hmm. but particularly for an artist. Well, we have a mentorship program called Emerged. The gist of the program is two folks. First is we do look at the artist's work. We do critiques uh, with them, actual looking at the work, talking about their development. The other part is that professional development, and that is we'll meet you where you are. I mean, some of them are fresh out of college. Some of them have never gone, like I said, through formal training. They've been kind of stumbling and doing it on their own. Usually those who are coming out of college have a little bit more understanding of that resume, CV, taking images, as opposed to the ones who might, who are not, again, did not go through that formal education. 
but both of them, we do want to look at your artist statement. We do want to look at your resume, taking quality images. That's a big part of it. Uh, we encourage them to write grants, small grants, educational and professional development grants. So we encourage them to apply for one of those grants, particularly the professional development to help with framing. Because what happens at the end of our mentorship process is that the artist ends up having a solo show. For a lot of them, this is their first solo show ever, okay? And these spaces, and again, we find a space. We've worked with one gallery called Little D in Paseo. This will be our second time working with them, and it's a small space. It's a perfect space, but we're really excited. We tried to get a gallery. We've worked with Oklahoma Contemporary in the past and Paseo Plunge. You know, we want to work with other spaces as well. But the mentorship program is just, it's been real fun for us <laughs> because, you know, you get to look at all these young emerging artists and then, you know, work with them and talk to them. You know, the big thing, again, especially if they've been in a school setting, I know when I graduated, the one thing I noticed is I don't have that automatic feedback anymore with my work. I know we all have social media now and we can do all this stuff, but there's something to be said that for being in a studio setting with a whole bunch of other people around you who are doing the same thing you're doing. So that's important. They get to hear other artists, especially people they don't really know that well at their work and looking at that. So that mentoring ship is, is twofold. It's or helping them with that professional development. And the other part is helping them with their actual work Whatever romanticized idea you have about being an artist, I need you to not do that. And understand no one is trying to take your creativity away from you, but we need you to understand this is a profession. You as the artist have to be serious about it. And that's what we mean. You have to be serious. If you want everyone else to take you seriously, then you have, you have to be serious about it. And that means being a professional. That's all. And what that means is you keep your word, you show up on time, you have the product done. If you don't, you communicate what's happening. That's all part of the professionalism of, of artists. And then this year, we introduced a new program called Emerge Curate. We have an artist, traditional, but we're also working with someone who is curating or who will do the curate portion of this artist. They're going to work together. They've been communicating. And so, because that's the other part of also something I'm passionate about, and that is putting artists uh, or putting people of color, people interested in the art world in positions of decision making. A curator makes a decision. There are a lot of artists, and I think this is important, where you have artists who are organizing their own shows. You know, they find the space, they don't need us. They find the space, they get a couple of their buddies together and they put on a show, a very good show. I mean, it's a great show. But when we talk about curating in a position where you want to be known as a curator, on a national level or a local level, then there's a little bit more to it in the sense that you want to uh, understand what exactly does it mean to be a curator within the art world? You know, there's more to it than finding- Just hanging out pictures. Right? Well, yeah. There's something to be said when it's, when it's somebody, when it's a curator who's seen a lot and has said, yep, I like that. And then they ask you questions. That's the other thing about uh, being a professional artist that we also want to this. Oh, it's just the way I feel. It's like, eh, you know, I need you to talk to people. I need you to learn. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm doing the best job right now, but I need you to know how to communicate. 
what it is you're doing, why you're doing it. Because believe it or not, people like to hear that. And, you know, and I said, and the other side is that you engage those viewers and, and you connect with them. And then guess what? Sometimes they'll buy your work. You know, at first they looked at, they thought it was okay. And then you start talking about it and they just see and see. And all of a sudden they bought something of yours because something you said just really just kind of put the nail in that for them. So you want to learn to communicate. This idea that my work speaks for myself, eh, maybe, but you want to talk about what you're doing because people really want to know that you have put thought, you have put energy, you have put time, you have done all those things that you and that you're passionate about it. That has a tendency to be very addictive and very transferable. Your passion can be very transferred to the other individual. We want people to pay money for what we do. And it's okay that you want people to give you money for what you do. You've talked about how inclusion in art affects the community and the state. Mm -hmm. How has this work that you've now been doing for a number of years, how has it impacted you personally? Well, I think it's made me more aware. I'll be honest with you. I've always been very proud, uh, very Let's just say I had parents who did a great job with their children of being teaching them their history, having those books around, encouraging us to learn not just about who we are as you know black people in America and of Africa, but also other people. Just real quick, I mean, I have memories. My father worked at FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, and I would come home and he would have students from all over the world. And I had students from Japan. I had students from Middle East, all sorts of people. You know, I come home from school and there's this person who I've never seen before sitting in my house. And so that's been my experience. And so how it does, it just kind of reinforces those things I've been taught by my parents that I have come to observe. It makes me I won't say dig in my heels. That makes it sound like somebody was trying to drag me away. But what I do personally as an artist is that I I do female images, African-American female images. And I do that. I don't do anything else. I am that artist. I do it because, as I have, I have said, I actually am on film saying, if I don't do it, who will? And so I do that. The other part of that is I also teach. And I'm a professor. And I love what I do. And I think it's kind of, I think it's important for them to see, for my students, of all the colors and all the things, to see this woman with this brown face, with her locked hair, talking about art to them. But it just, it just makes me think, yeah, this is, this is important. I think, I think it's important for me to deal with all sorts of different students, just as it's important for them to deal with all sorts of different individuals in positions of authority, and I think, you know, I come back to that, who are in who, in their lives and that they see this, that they see what we do. So for me personally, working with inclusion has just really, as for me, it, it just affirms, again, affirms what I'm doing. It, I just love what I do, and I love what we do at inclusion, because I think it's positive also. Nothing we're doing is hurting anybody. And I think, I think we need to make that abundantly clear. This is hurting no one. Not at all. This is one of those very few times where it's like, what do you have to lose? You have literally nothing to lose. 
This is not going to hurt anybody. I know some people think it will. It really won't. It doesn't hurt anybody to be inclusive and diverse. It really, it just makes you stronger. Well, Susan, thank you for sharing that. And I want to celebrate the work that you guys and your organization are doing, your commitment to it over the Mm -hmm. long haul, because it's not a, you know, short-term thing. It requires some professionalism and discipline and commitment. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about some of the programs that you guys have, Mm -hmm. but you've mentioned that you have mentioned to me that you have another program called Diversity, which goes beyond just working with artists. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you make that work? Diversity is something that we were doing, I won't say annual, but we would do two or three times a year. It was, uh, what we wanted to do was, we wanted to invite stakeholders, as you say, are different people involved in different aspects of community, either as marketing people or business people or whatever. And, but they're interested in art. They're interested in, in supporting the arts in general. And so it was a really informal thing that we did. And people would come and drink and connect with each other. So let's say, and then again, it, we, we invited anybody. Anybody could come. It, it was such an informal thing. It was two or three hours. But we called it Diverse City. I just want to say that sounds like a very interesting crowd (laughs) to be at a mixer with people who are committed to inclusion and diversity Mm -hmm. and who care about art. Mm -hmm. That's bound to be a fun group of people to be interacting with. And it's a way to connect those people and network them together Mm -hmm. so that they can exchange ideas Mm -hmm. and just face to face see each other Mm -hmm. and realize that there are more people like them who care about those same things in the community. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful program. It sounds like it's a lot of fun too. So you have some other programs though. Can you um, tell me about some of the other things that you guys do? Last year, we did a exhibition. Uh, Again, that's one of those collaborative moments called Spirit of Color. What had happened is one of our younger board members said, you know, I really don't know the history, you know, about artists of color in Oklahoma who've been working in the arts for 50 plus years. Who are those artists who've been here, who've been doing art in Oklahoma for literally 50 some odd years? And so thought that would be a great exhibition. So we worked with Oklahoma Hall of Fame, the EK, it's called the EK Gaylord uh, Museum. We were able to get a space. And so it's a historical thing. So we ended up choosing five artists who, and they're on our website if anybody wants to look, we talked to them, we interviewed them, we went to their space, we, we looked at their work, and we spent time with them and talking to them about, about their history in Oklahoma and what they've been doing. And then we uh, ended up having this show. It opened February 1st, 2020. So I know, but we had a great opening <laughs> and it was wonderful. We got a catalog. We were able to secure funds. This is probably the biggest thing inclusion has ever done. It, but it was so satisfying because really this opportunity to sit down with these artists who've been teaching and with us again, I would say for over 50 years, they've been, they've been doing this for a long time. And I got to interview my professor from Oklahoma State. And it was a good range of artists. You know, it was a good to look at all this different work that they've done. That's what we're talking about, the beauty of collaboration. Because us as a small little organization, there's no way we could have pulled that off without get, stepping in. And with 
you know, E.K. Gaylord Museum, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, I should say. I mean, that's that's a very well-established museum in space. We reached out and they said, this sounds, and it was in their mission. That's the other thing. If you're looking to do stuff like this, you have to make sure it's in their mission. It's called the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. And these were artists who are from Oklahoma, who were working in Oklahoma. So it, it was their, it met their mission also. We weren't reinventing the wheel at all. This is one of those where everything just kind of just worked so well together. And even though it opened February 2020 <laughs> before the world shut down and, you know, we you could go in and the museum did a really good job. I think they did like some live streaming and talking. We had an art. We did talk to one of the artists in the uh, we did like an artist talk. Albert Bostic was one of the artists we was the artist we talked to. That catalog uh, was sent to all the state schools, uh, public schools in Oklahoma, I think high schools in Oklahoma. So there's that component. And then, of course, we have some ourselves. And we gave, of course, our artists their catalogs to give. As you can see, it was very exciting. It was a lot of work myself. I wasn't the president at the time. Um, the, the president at the time was a fellow named Brian Perdue, who was very young and very focused. He was, and we would travel and go talk to these people for hours. And it was just, it was probably... For me personally, that was one of, you want to talk about a personal thing. For me personally, it was just, I feel like I was like, oh, teach me your wisdom. It was just the coolest thing to sit there and just listen to them talk about their work and how their life and what brought them to this point and how they've been doing things and and what the process is and how what they had to deal with. That's just one of probably our most impressive, satisfying programs we had. And I, I think everyone was just floored by it. You know, who knew that we had this talent here all this time? And I'm glad we were able to bring these people and let and give them that space to it's a beautiful space to give them that that space and that honor to like go, this has always been here, guys. This has always been here. There were several things about that. I think it is remarkable that you reach out and celebrate, you know, your masters, if you will, and then also at the same time, help bring forward that new generation of emerging artists. It was interesting to hear you talk about gaining wisdom from these artists Mm -hmm. and how it impacted you. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece that, and this is why I love these conversations, is the work that you do is of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It is your history, it's your people, it's your culture, it's the challenges that your communities have faced, but also the things that your communities are doing. It's when we recognize the value of our own community and our own place. So thank you for sharing that with us. That's a great example. Well, thank you. Thank Suzanne, you. this was a good conversation. You guys are doing some great work. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. On my website, I've outlined a framework for helping to build more inclusive communities. My discussion with Suzanne is a reminder of how art and community culture play a role in helping us build more inclusive communities. It may be through developing and supporting diversity in emerging artists. Maybe it's building a more inclusive artistic community. Or it may be in celebrating the work of our masters, those mature and diverse artists in our community. We also had a good conversation about how partnering can be used by smaller organizations like hers to increase their impact, their reach, 
and even maybe help make larger and more traditional organizations more inclusive. As we often do, we reminded ourselves that doing this work of helping our communities become more inclusive and equitable doesn't just change our communities and our community culture, but it also changes us. This has been the State of Inclusion podcast. Join us again next time. And if you enjoyed this episode, the best compliment for our work is your willingness to share these ideas with others. So leave us a review. We'd love your comments. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.